Hey, and what's going on? Thank you for being here to watch this edition of KGP Presents. I'm your host, Mikey J. And before I introduce what we have coming up this evening, I have an important announcement because we are having our very first Flat Earth Meetup. It was very spur of the moment type of situation. And I thought, hey, what the hell? We have approximately 150 or so Flat Earthers here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area in Texas. And I know this because you know, it's on our Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app. Uh, my wife is also a Flat Earther, and she is performing with her band. So it's, we're going to have some entertainment. We're going to be able to hang out and talk. And, um, you know, she has her new project called Glitter. And what way to kick off the Thanksgiving week than by having a Flat Earth meetup. So this coming Saturday, we're having uh, the Flat Earth meetup. So come hang out with us. This Saturday, November 20th, we'll have a live music event from 7 to 9 p.m. And then from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m., it'll just be us hanging out and getting to know each other. Um, I also will have copies of the Living Will and Affidavits. So if you want a copy, I will have those with me. And with that said, uh, let's get on to the show. As always, I am super pumped for this episode because we have an incredible guest tonight. He is the host from the hit shows Union of the Unwanted and The Ripple Effect. And that is another, none other than Ricky Verandas. So don't go away. You're not going to want to miss this episode. And we'll be right back. Five, four, three, two, one. I know I had to tell him. The earth is flat Bro, you need to check your facts I got high up through the roof And I landed on the moon The moon flat too In reality Everything is just in 2D Like a video game from 1983 Besides growing up and down the street While y'all sleep B.O.B. cause I don't see the curve nah. Messing up my vibe, yeah, you got a lot of nerve nah. Read a book, nah, I don't wanna learn nah. Read a book, nah, I don't wanna learn They say that we are kids For me and my homies, we don't say it, we just pray I'ma leave it, now my stay it Do your research, how much I gotta say it Earth is flat you need to check your facts I got high up through the roof And I landed on the moon The moon flat too In reality Everything is just in 2D Like a video game from 1983 Besides growing up and down the street While y'all sleep Y'all sleep Back to the show. I want to bring on our guest, and 
if you haven't heard of Ricky Verandas, you know, he's not an expert by any means, but he's got a lot of knowledge, kind of like myself, you know, like I'm learning on the fly. Like every day that I talk to somebody, I'm learning something new. And that's part of why I wanted to have Ricky Verandas on the show, because he, he, you know, he kind of reflects myself in a lot of ways. I mean, he's been at it a lot longer than me. Like I started podcasting way back in like 2009, I believe. But then I stepped away from it for many years and then decided to do the whole YouTube show, just promoting musicians. But I, you know, I found myself not getting any, um, any satisfaction from it. And I was like starting to get really into, you know, like the truther movement, the conspiracies. And that was where most of my attention was. And um, so before I go on this whole ramble of my intro, uh, I want to go ahead and introduce uh, the man of the hour, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Ricky Verandas. How you doing, my guy? Hey, th- thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. By, by the way, I, I love your setup. I love the colors. I love the logo. I love everything. It's so cool. And the orange mic, that's that's awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, my, my it's my wife's mic, and, and she wasn't using it for, for, for anything. So I was like, I'll use it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's cool. I, lo- I love the colors. I mean... I'm. I don't know if you've seen like the the new logo that. Well, it's kind of newer that I've been using the like Hulk Smash logo for stuff. Yeah. And same thing. Like I love when when the the artist designed it. I love the colors. And there's, you know, I I like the old logos, but everything's like plain and like kind of black and blue. And uh, but I I'm just I, I like uh just logos with bright colors and and it just catches your eye. So uh, and so not to turn the interview around on you but what how'd you come up with the name and and the theme and everything um you know it was based originally on my original podcast because it was called the great unknowns presents and i had that show for i did about a hundred and i don't know 70 episodes i'm probably way off um but that was it, it feels like a lifetime ago and i stepped away from it and then launched kgup fm which is kind of like KGUP was Great Unknowns Presents. And so it, it just kind of stayed that way. And then when I launched the show in 2018, I, 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 it, um, I just stuck with it and just called it Presents because I'm presenting whatever is on the show. So that's, that's how the name came about. And, um, you know, the, the, the logo itself, I've always been, you know, I was like always a NASA fanboy. And, you know, it's kind of funny because I'm, I'm more of a flat earther. I don't like to label myself as a flat earther, but I kind of am because I don't believe anything, you know, that uh, that NASA puts out anymore. Because I've compared the data and like watched all these like um, studies and like listened to like Yale um, uh, lectures and stuff. And, and uh, MIT had uh, recently done a uh, test because uh, back in 2004, NASA had done had you know, protested that they could go at speeds of like 24,000 miles an hour using ionic propulsion. And so MIT did a a study and they tried to replicate what they could possibly do and how to travel in space. And then um, another independent researcher did the same test. And it turned out that the ion propulsion did not work in a vacuum chamber. So this whole idea that, you know, you can fly in space and then have, you know, they, they claimed that, that the ion, um, the ionic molecules would be so slow that it would take, you know, it would take a long time to catch up to that, to that kind of speed. So it would take, you know, 
weeks or whatever. And uh, they, they couldn't replicate it. So it, it's, you know, stuff like that. I mean, I come across these things because I don't like to just blur it out. Oh, yeah, you know, you know, we can see too far or, or you know, the, the sun's closer than, than, than we know. So I don't like to say stuff like that. But, you know, th- there are empirical things that you can observe and improve without any doubt that uh, the things that, that a lot of the flat earth community will say, and you can verify it yourself just, just through observation. And um, that's been like my whole journey this whole past year. And um, I'm still learning, like I'm still discovering stuff. And, you know, what about you? <laughs> well, uh, did you, uh, well, we did a episode on flat earth on the union of the unwanted. I don't know if you listened to that one. And then sure did. I had, uh alex from skeptico on my podcast recently and we got it did you hear that one yeah yeah i think i've heard all your episodes (laughs) oh that's that is awesome well first of all it's you've been doing it so you started a podcast in 09 yeah and it was it was like a college podcast it was like once a week um i was actually a uh i was a co-host on a nascar uh program so that's what i was doing every day um, for about an hour or two hours a day, and just there's just that kind of much worried. to say about that. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's funny. Uh, yeah, there actually is. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I, I my, um, my brother-in-law is a huge NASCAR fan, so I'm always busting his balls about it. But uh, you know, now everybody's a NASCAR fan. They, they love Brandon, right? They, um, oh yeah, is that where that came from? <laughs> I think so. yeah. Oh, you didn't know the backstory? The no, Brandon. not at all. When he won the race, and then what happened was uh, during live TV, while they're interviewing him in the background, that they're chanting "fuck Joe Biden." And mm-hmm. sorry, I should ask if I could swear on this. <laughs> no, no, um, go ahead. And um, so and then the 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 person interviewing Brandon is like, "Oh, did you you hear all those fans are going crazy for you? They're saying they're chanting, uh, let's go, Brandon.'" And I, I, honestly, I'm not sure if she was covering up the fuck joe biden chant or she actually was mistaken but either way that's where it came from and oh. so like the code word for fuck joe biden is let's go brandon so uh, obviously if you do a bunch of songs or if you uh if you say fuck joe biden it, it can get you in trouble but it's like well if i say let's go brandon and everybody kind of secretly knows what i'm what i'm uh hinting then it, it's okay and that and so now there's like songs up to yin yang that uh, and actually some of them are pretty good i must say there's a, a rapper who's kind of a kind of a, i would say like a hotep jesus type of uh, uh of guy in regards to his uh political outlook and stuff uh called topher i think that's how you say it. it's like t-o-p-h-e-r he has a let's go brandon uh a variation of the song that's pretty good and uh, there, yeah, and there's quite, and then the other one that went really um, viral, the first one, because I think one of Trump's kids actually tweeted it or, or retweeted the the song, and then that's how it kind of picked up initially. So it's, uh, but it, it's it's amazing how that that's like taken off, and it's uh, it the whole thing's interesting because initially, like I, I've been saying for a while, is like nobody j- voted for for uh for biden either voted for trump or against trump and i i think that was the case so i i think a lot of people who voted for biden weren't even really like true biden fans and now because it's so obvious that he can barely keep his shit together and you know he he's he's a mess 
you don't even see Biden supporters supporting Biden. Like there's not a lot of pushback for people saying that he's like completely not capable of running a country and he shouldn't be even the president of the United States of America. Like there's not a whole you would expect if people were saying that about Trump, people would really be upset that people who support him and his supporters. But you don't see that same type of passion or emotion. I think the election time of year just brings out people's emotion and passion like you 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 get really fired up and you get really caught up in politics but you just don't see that and yeah. so it, it's wild it almost seems like the supporters for trump are more active and and more passionate for trump even though he's kind of not really relevant in in the news at, at the moment even though his new social media platform and some of that stuff and and all the all the conversations about him possibly running again but um, but Biden support, it's like to me, they're like they're whispers. You don't really hear people really passionately going out of their way to support him or stick up for him because it's just so obvious what's going on uh, in regards to his, his mental ability. But yeah, it's um, what the hell was the question? Sorry, I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, I, I think it was just the whole go Brandon thing. But, you know, kind of touching a little on the whole Biden you know, Trump thing. I mean, I I kind of detached myself from that whole political arena because I don't I don't like either party. You know, I, I'm thankful I live in a in a Republican state just because I know I'm going to have a little more freedom than than I would back in California, where I just felt like, you know, we were there three, three weeks after the pandemic and we we're like, we got to get out of here. And then we where do you live now? Uh, Texas, Dallas, Texas. Nice. I'm neighbors with uh, Alex Stein, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh really oh yeah awesome. we, we live really close to each other what a character alex is oh it's, man i didn't know who alex was until i think mark from my family thinks i'm crazy podcast invited him on a union of the unwanted and that's when he kind of got on my my radar and he, he's like oh do you mind if i have uh alex on uh the show and i'm like oh no i mean if he's a friend of yours he's a friend of mine i'm like yeah well why not so <laughs> I'm like, this dude is fucking hilarious i'm like oh yeah and he's he's fearless in regards to like just being outspoken and stuff. And I didn't realize how damn tall he was. I mean, there was like one when I first saw him, he was seated. And then I, I saw a video of him standing. I'm like, how tall is this guy? This guy's ginormous. <laughs> but uh, it, it, how tall is he? I, I think he's six, two or six, four. Uh, okay. I, I hung out with him at Six Flags and I just felt like this, you know, t- little tiny guy. <laughs> you know, he's like 215. I'm like 180. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and he, he's a I, I so he eventually had to be on his show and he's just a super honest, fun to talk to guy. I can see why. And, and he just he's hilarious. Like and and I think people really enjoy just silliness and honesty and especially in like the world that we live in where a lot of the stuff we're talking about is can, can be depressing and, and kind of down to have right. somebody who can present it. But also give you some laughs and at the same time i think it is priceless i mean that's why i think people like the no agenda show that's why i think people love sam tripoli because it's never too serious it's it's it can kind of scrape the surface of some serious topics but it's never too serious because he'll throw a joke in or he'll mess up a name or whatever you know which uh will will keep it kind of light you know more lighthearted so uh, it, it's I think people like that are are so important in, in our community. Yeah, Sam's great. I, I just it was it, 
I discovered him through Alex Stein as well. But, um, you know, when he had you on the show, that's how you got on my radar. And I, you know, just started watching your, your uh, Union of the Unwanted. And then I discovered you had the, the ripple effect. And I was like, oh, this is really cool because it's just you and usually a guest. And um, I like that one-on-one conversations because sometimes those, those, you, the, the multiple guests, they kind of overlap or you go on, the, everyone goes on these like tangents and it's, it's great content. But um, I, for me personally, I just like the one-on-one conversations. <laughs> it, 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 you know, it's, it's weird because as many people have been on that show, we've only had a handful of guests that were like, okay, we got to, we got to like cut them off or we got to find a way to like, you know, uh, have them just share the time a little better. But for the most part, it works pretty damn well for, you know, we always talk about that, how like, it seems like it, it takes a lot of just, I don't know, just us organizing things and, and, and being strict with like time. And it's like, we don't really do any of that. Like we tell people like, Hey, you know, just try to be polite in in regards to time. And a lot of times we don't say jack shit because everybody's kind of just running around and then we're all hopping on. And then we're like, and Mike uh, wakes up early in the morning. So he's always like, it's almost seven. Let's go live immediately. And I'm like, I'm like, you don't want to wait around a little bit. And he's like, no, no, just go live. So we, we go live and, People jump in so they don't need, you know, you don't even have the opportunity to give them like a briefing on what's going on. But I always <laughs> tell people too uh, on the show, uh, like when I'm emailing and, and giving people the invite, I, I'm like, listen, like jump in when you want, jump out when you want. I wanted to make it like a alt- alternative media hangout. So it's like similar to like when you're hanging out with Alex or whoever and you're at the bar, you're at your and you you throw out a text to a couple of buddies and you're like, hey, meet us here if you can. You know, we're gonna be hanging out having a drink. And then you have the buddies that, you know, will show up late, the ones who show up early, the ones who said they're gonna show up and don't show up. Like we get all that in the UM Dunwanted. I have people who I didn't didn't know I or I forgot that I emailed that end up showing up. And then I have people that I'm like, oh, he's definitely going to show up and they don't show up. So it's like it really is just a hangout. And I, I and it's cool because it kind of has that vibe. And and for the most part, people in the alternative media community are like super polite. And even though there's been disagreements on the show, which I love, I mean, I, I think that's a huge part of it. I, I brought up Alex from Skeptico. I mean, he's anytime he's been on. Uh, one thing I've always liked about him is that if he disagrees with somebody, he doesn't do the easy thing of like, oh, let me just kind of stay quiet and not like share my thoughts. He, he kind of, you know, he's willing to, to step up and, and discuss his disagreements. And as long as you can do it politely, I mean, I think those are the best parts of the show. Sometimes it's when people, they have their ideas challenged and are willing to challenge ideas and, and have their ideas challenged. And in the process of having somebody have to really explain why they think a certain way or why they feel a certain way or why they have a certain perspective that's when you really get to the you know the meat of the uh, of the conversation and you get a really much better explanation or you end up figuring out that maybe it's not really a well thought out perspective and and exposing that is important too you know and uh so yeah i mean as long as people are polite about it i i think those are the best type of conversations you don't want to just gather a bunch of people who agree with one another. I mean, that's why even at the end of 2020, going into the election, I invited some people that were a little bit, you know, outside of what uh, many of us were saying, you know, I had Greg Palace join us uh, on an episode of the Union Done Unwanted, which went exactly how I expected. <laughs> Everybody kind of turned on him a little bit. Well, I shouldn't say exactly. I expected people to be polite 
and disagree with him, uh, you know, because I knew there's going to be some people who disagreed with him. And but I, I think Greg, people like Greg Palace at, at that time, you know, he uh, he got some shit like he was the, the enemy. And, and I'm like, Greg's done a lot of you might disagree with him politically or it's, you know, his ideologies, but he's done some great work, you know, as a journalist who exposed a lot of corruption and he's had some great documentaries and some great uh, books. Uh, the, the problem with, I think, people who expose corruption and uh, not to pick on Greg, but just using him as an example is that the, and it, it kind of reminds me of like, I was thinking about this today and you, you talking about, um, you know, being into music and, and whatnot, uh, like Rage Against the Machine, right? Like they're Rage Against the Machine, Greg Palace, like they're all for like democracy now, same thing, like that show, you know, I, I grew up watching it and I'm always like, yeah, you know, but I'm like, are you going to expose anybody who you, you, you know, you might disagree with, you know, their philosophies or ideologies, somebody who's maybe on the right or, you know, or I mean, on the left, I mean, um, and is that like people like Rage Against the Machine, Democracy Now, Greg Palace, they do great work in exposing corruption, but only corruption from the other side. It's like they right. they don't look internal internally into their group and people who who share the same ideologies to expose them. They only want to expose other people, and which is okay too, because as long as it's somebody like you or me who's like, okay, I don't care who published it, you know. But if it's a good uh, a good article exposing some type of corruption or conspiracy. I'm not going to dismiss it because this person published it. And I mean, too often that is the case where you share an article and they're like, oh, screw them. Like that's a right wing publication or that's a left wing publication. It's like, well, can we just look at the evidence or look at the information? Who cares what what publication is? All you're proving is that they might have not exposed something for moral reasons or at least strictly moral reasons. They might be doing it only because they want to expose the other side, the other, you know, political party. But if it's true, then what does it matter? And I, and I think that's important. I, I think a lot of people just don't want to face the truth and, and they don't want their their paradigm in place in their societal, whatever construct that they've built around themselves. They don't want it to be shattered because they don't want, they don't want to, to, to have this realization that their life was just a big lie. So they just tune everything out. I mean, it's just like, you know, Alex, when he was on your show, uh, with, I, I can't pronounce his last name. It's the T. Turkarikis. I, I, I can't either. And that's why I saying his last name. You know, he was just not even listening to the idea that you might be a small percentage of a flat earther. He, he just wanted you to plant your flag and just say, you know, agree with science. And, you know, what we've learned throughout human history is that, you know, science is never settled. And we're constantly, you know, whether it's 100 years or two years from now, I mean, we learn something new and, and discover new information. So the science is never settled. You know, I mean, we're constantly doing experiments. We're constantly testing what someone claims. I mean, just a few years ago, I mean, there, there was a, a study that was posted on um, the the Daily Mail, or, or no, it was a bigger uh, website over in England, and then it was posted on the the Washington Post that seventy percent of all scientific experiments cannot be replicated. So, I mean, if if you can't replicate someone's findings, then how sound is that that study? And these are like peer reviewed studies who are, they're supposed to be ironclad. You know, the, these are the 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 top minds are supposed to review these these uh you know these 
through journals and we're we're dismissing them because you know because oh it's because it was peer-reviewed i mean that just proves that science is never settled you know if you can't replicate something that uh that science has done you know (laughs) well i highly recommend people checking out the crisis of science i think is what it's called by james corbett a great video that goes into what you're talking about in regards to so many uh, the a high percentage of uh, of studies can't be recreated. All the the fake peer review uh, stories or, or studies that get published and then they come out and are like, listen, I, I created this just to expose how easy it is to get something peer reviewed. Uh, so it, it, it just, yeah, I mean, without a doubt, I mean, the thing about Alex is it boggles my mind when I meet somebody who's so intelligent and, and so open-minded with so many topics, but, and then you find like a flaw in their, you know, in their thinking, like you find that, like that thing where like, wait, I don't, I don't get it. You just, you told me that you're a fan of David Icke. You told me you're a fan of Rupert Sheldrick, who's been, he's been on my show and he's not a mainstream scientist. Like this is a guy that many people, many of his colleagues and people in the, the mainstream scientific world consider pseudoscience. I, I think I even pulled up like the Wikipedia page where it's like the first paragraphs. Not that that means anything, but it's just like Wikipedia is the mainstream. They're not right, but it, it, they're kind of a reflection of what the mainstream is thinking or how they're labeling somebody. And it says he's pseudoscience. So that's like, you, you, like, that's okay. You know, that that's okay that you to like those two people who aren't mainstream. And now you're saying like all, you know, all, all these, you know, he's not... Tom Cowan's not mainstream or whoever is in mainstream and it's not backed by mainstream scientists. It's like, well, I don't, I don't get it. Like in, in, in certain topics or certain people you're okay with, with, I guess, exploring or entertaining their not so mainstream ideas. And then with Tom Cowan uh, or the flat earthers, you, you decide that like, no, this is so fringe that I won't. I'm like, what's more fringe than the reptilian whole uh, theory, you know, that David Icke for a long time couldn't get rid of, like just how that that whole theory was just constantly just how people label him as the rep, reptilian guy. And it just it, it to, to me, it's like, OK, if you're open minded enough to, to, to think that we could be reptilians or, you know, some form of reptilians and all this whole rep. I'm like, why would flat earth be incredibly impossible for you to even entertain? Why would it be so ridiculous that, that you get upset about it? Why would Tom Cowan, you know, and his views or his perspectives on, on, on science be completely outrageous? I mean, you talked about when, uh, when I was on Tinfoil Hat podcast, and that was before 2020. And I remember when I was on there, uh, Sam Tripoli and I were talking and he's like, he's like, Oh, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to come on and talk about? And uh, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm not like, like you said in, in your intro, I'm, I'm not an expert in anything. There's just, a, I'm just a curious person who's, who's into a lot of different things. But one, I told him like one of the things I'm most passionate about and one of the, the topics that I constantly go back to on the ripple effect podcast is i talk to nutritionists i talk to doctors health experts and and people exposing why the fuck we're so unhealthy and and all the money and chemical companies and big pharma that are selling us the bullshit that's creating these unhealthy people that are 
you know, diseased and, and sick and, and whatnot. And when I was on there, that's what I talked about. I talked about, I'm like, so let's just do a show on big pharma because, uh, and, and the health and nutrition, because those are topics that I really don't need to think too much about. I, I've, I've focused so much of my life kind of examining that, that it'd be an easy topic to discuss. And I remember when I had Sam on, we, we talked about, or when, uh, when I was on Sam's show, we talked about, uh, that, documentary making a killing about uh the dsm and how that's all nonsense and and you know all, all the psychological uh chemical imbalance terms that we use that are, aren't scientific at all and and sam like was so un, unaware he was he didn't know about any of this and it, it it hit me i'm like holy shit there's so many people out there that just don't understand how dangerous the pharmaceutical pharmaceutical industry is and the pull that they have and how, you know, people talk about flat earth, people talk about all these things and how like everything's an illusion. Well, when it comes down to health and nutrition, it absolutely is like, it's, it's all a, a illusion that's been molded by corporations that are benefiting by pushing these things that we call food that are barely food and, 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 and medicines that don't cure anything and only treat the symptoms. And we've been, just conditioned to accept that that's the way you handle issues, which is just like mind boggling when you think about it, like that, the idea that I, I, I never really get to the root cause of anything. I have a symptom. They give me a pill to deal with that symptom. The root cause of the issue never goes away. I stay on this pill forever. And this thing has its own side effects, which eventually will lead me to have to take more pills and and yet I never think twice about this for-profit industry that is benefiting from me being sick and, and would have zero benefit from me actually being cured. Like it just, it, to me, it just makes perfect sense. And, and, you know, when you look at like Del Bigtree and he even Del Bigtree, he, he, I don't, I don't, he, I don't even know what he was doing when I started my podcast. He definitely wasn't podcasting. He was probably still working at the doctor's show but you know i had dr gregory a smith on my show when when we first started um who did a great documentary called american addict and i had dr brzezinski from the brzezinski movie which was really like breathtaking when you look at his story and how he was actually having success treating cancer and and yet his treatment which had like basically zero side effects nobody had any negative side effects to it i saw that documentary yeah, I mean, it pulls at your heartstrings when you see right. these people who are alive because of this guy and his treatment is not FDA approved and, and you can't go to unless you're terminally ill and, and you can use what they call experimental treatments. And yet, like, it's completely legal for us to do chemo and radiation, which causes, I mean, radiation causes cancer you're fighting cancer with something that causes cancer which is why the likelihood of you getting other types of cancer increases drastically when you beat cancer with uh radiation mm -hmm. my my uh, mother-in-law is a perfect example of it she beat breast cancer with chemo and radiation and then i don't know how long it was maybe it was a a year or two later uh she didn't feel good went to the hospital uh, rushed herself to the hospital because she wasn't feeling well and she had nobody to bring her and they found cancer everywhere it was it wasn't the same it wasn't breast cancer but it was a different type of cancer and they found cancer everywhere then they put her 
uh, on radiation and keep on radiation again. And she got so weak that they're like, Hey, we got to get her off the chemo and radiation because she's so weak. I don't think she can handle it. They get her off it. What happens Uh, within 24 hours? She's looking better, feeling better Then within 48 hours. They're suggesting chemo and radiation again. And they're like, Hey, uh, she's, she looks like she's healthy enough to, to, to start the treatment again. Like they're all completely excited about starting the treatment again. And I'm just like, do you guys not see this trend? And it was, it was a trend that happened again. She got weak and then to the point where she was so weak and dying that uh, they had to stop the treatment because it was going to kill her before the cancer did. And then she was better. And it was just like this. And and again, it wasn't my place. So I, I try to give some advice and I try to find polite ways of bringing up like, Hey, like maybe the treatment that they're suggesting isn't the treatment we should be doing. But when everybody's so emotional and, and people are losing their mother, their aunts, their whoever, you know, their their siblings, it it's it's hard for them to to it's hard to find a, a good time to bring this up and to talk about it. And it, it it also makes it difficult because I'm again, I'm not an expert in anything. And and there's a person in a white coat with you know a phd on the wall that's telling them things that i'm not telling them so it's like why would they listen to me it's like if this person's saying that these are your options then they assume those are your options and that's why if you if you you do listen to many of my shows you're probably sick of me telling this story about jim abrams but it kind of relates that story was important because jim abrams who who for people who don't know is the filmmaker of naked gun and airplane and all those hilarious movies when his son got sick and this was at the height of his career when he had money he had resources he knew people he was hung out with celebrities and and whatnot his son had these violent seizures and the only options he was getting was like uh, unnecessary surgery and i say unnecessary because afterwards looking back he realized it was unnecessary but it was surgery and all these prescription drugs that weren't helping and doing his own research he ends up running into this john hop john hopkins study where they found that putting uh your body in ketosis can can cure these kids of these seizures which was like what wait i can just change his diet i can make his body run off fats instead of glucose as an energy source and i can cure this and i think it had something to do with now i i don't remember but i'm, I'm going off memory but i believe it had something to do with the fact that his brain couldn't process glucose as an energy source. So giving him ketones as an energy source kind of fixes the problem. And he he ends up curing his son of these violent seizures, which he pro- he had for a long period of time and probably caused some long-term uh, physical and mental uh, damage because of how violent they were and for, and how long he had them. And, and he went from being excited to upset that nobody told him that this was even an option because he had the same issue that my f- families uh, or, you know, my in-laws had where they see a guy with a white coat with a PhD and they assume like, if he's telling me these are my options, these must be my only options. And little did he know there were other options. And then he started the Charlie Foundation named after his son and just does research on these type of uh, topics. And, and so that, you know, and the reason why that story is so important, I keep repeating it is because we have to snap out of this mindset that this person who we call expert 
has all the answers. And if somebody who doesn't have a PhD and doesn't have a white coat and didn't go to a university to, to study this and we don't uh, label as an expert suggests something, you should dismiss it. Like, no, I mean, you shouldn't dismiss it. There's, and we live in a, in, in a really awesome time because somebody like you or myself who aren't experts in anything, we have access to all the same information or at least the majority of it as the experts. So overnight, we could decide we want to learn everything that there is to know about the ketogenic diet or these violent seizures or whatever. And next thing, or the DSM and how they, you know, decide that somebody has a chemical imbalance and, and find all this information, get all this research and, and really be pretty informative, informed about these topics uh, without ever having this step in a university's, you know, classroom. So I mean, it, it, that part is awesome. When you started podcasting in 09 and, and when I started in 2013, it was much easier to do, find that information, especially when it came down to big pharma and, and kind of um, homeopathic doctors and, and, and researchers and, and people who had uh, just researched natural remedies and stuff. I remember uh, like one guy I ran into a lot of his uh, research and a lot of people would constantly talk about was a... Uh, Dr. Max uh, Gerson. Uh, Max Gerson was a, a German a doctor who, who talked about all these diseases and, and sicknesses that he cured people of um, just naturally with, by changing diets and, and taking herbs and whatever it may be. And But now that type of research is almost impossible to do on the web. Like you really have to know exactly what you're looking for, who you're looking for to find it, because you can't just go on Google and just search like, okay, natural yeah. cures or whatever. You know, I remember even the filmmaker who did 9-11, a new Pearl Harbor. Uh, I'm not going to say his name because I, um, I always mess up his name. It's like Massimo, the Italian filmmaker. He, he had a, a great documentary called cancer cures and, uh, or forbidden cancer cure or something like that. And it was, a you could find at the time, you could find all these documentaries on YouTube before they really uh, purged it of, of anything interesting. But I remember it had all these documented stories of people who had success curing people of cancer and other diseases. And you go, once you get those names or once you get those treatments and you can specifically search for those things and you do the background check and you look into those stories like, holy shit, this was a real person. The story really existed. There are actual people who claim that they were cured of these diseases using these natural treatments. So it's just, you know, stuff like that. It just, it makes it so hard. You almost need to be somebody who's been around for a long time to be able to, you know, grow up in that era where you could actually do research on YouTube and do research on Google. Because today, like, if you want to dive deep into these topics now, it's it's so hard. You know what I mean? It, it's so hard. If, if you're a newbie and you're kind of like just trying to be like, okay, I'm hearing all these conspiracy theories. Let me see if any of them, uh, if there's any substance to them. If there's, uh, and, and you look into it and you're like, okay, they're all fucking crazy because I can't find any of this stuff that they're saying. It's like, well, they're not crazy. They're not, uh, or you're not finding this stuff because they're crazy. You're, you're not finding it because they don't. It, they don't want you to find it. It's mm -hmm. impossible for it to be found. So 
you know, thank God for like Rockfin and Odyssey and BitChute and Rumble and all these alternative platforms for video, um, uh, for people to, to look up alternative media videos. But if you're not aware of like James Corbett or Ryan from Last American Vagabond or Del Big Tree in the High Wire or wh whoever it may be, or even Alex, I mean, Alex Jones back in the day, he had, he uh, obviously gets a lot of shit, but, and rightfully so, because he, he, I think uh, he definitely has helped alternative media more than he's hurt, but he's definitely hurt us in some cases because he he did connect some dots that were kind of far apart and and would say some over the top things. But when you look at like the amount of people that have been interviewed on his show, I mean, there's about just, a, I don't think there's anybody I really like that I've been into for a long time that hasn't been in, interviewed on his show at, at one point. Corbett's been on there. Ron Paul's been on there. Jesse Ventura's been on there. I mean, so many alternative medicine doctors uh, have been on there. Uh, throughout the years, ex-CIA guys, FBI, FBI guys. I mean, his documentaries were well researched. They, uh, you know, he, he just it it opened a lot of people's minds. And and now it's like if you, if like I said, if you if you're going on YouTube, like Alex is still on YouTube, you, our mutual friend and your neighbor. But yeah. the thing about Alex is he he's really good at like you know kind of tiptoeing the line and not. I, I think when I, I was on his show, he kept talking about how much he loved Dr. Fauci because he, he was just trying to stay on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he'll go on and, you know, Fauci is the best thing that ever happened. And, and the, the, the election was the, the best election that in the history of elections. You know, he, he'll just say stuff like that. It's, it's hilarious. Well, it's good because he's messing up the algorithms. They're probably like, you know, whatever software they're using is like. I'm so fucking confused about this YouTube channel because <laughs> I'm getting some evidence that he might be uh, the type of uh, content creator we want off our platform. But then we get other pieces of information that says he's not. So it's it's, uh, you know, it, but the self-censoring in a way, I get it because the YouTubers, the people who are on YouTube, like we need to reach them. That's why I'm not I like the, uh, the fact that like ryan from last american vagabond regardless how many times he gets kicked off platforms he'll just make a backup account and get back on because he feels like those people do need to be reached because there are like i said a lot of people who just aren't aware of these alternative platforms so they're they still go to youtube to look for it mm -hmm. and maybe they'll run into you know uh your show or you know uh the, ryan's backup show or alex's show and and they'll be the first baby steps into this world. So, uh, I, you know, I think it's smart to not completely bail on those. And and I get it. I get why people like James Corbett and others are like, fuck it. Like, they don't want us there. I won't go there. Screw them. Everybody who's still using those platforms are brainwashed. But I, I, I think, unfortunately, some people just don't know. They they don't know. And maybe there is a desire to want to go deeper on these topics and learn more. But unfortunately, unless they they have a friend who can be like, hey, have you ever looked at Rockfin? Hey, have you ever looked at Rumble or Odyssey? Um, they just, you know, your your first steps in just researching anything will be Google and YouTube, which is, you know, kind of sad. Yeah. And that's why I keep my show on on YouTube, because my awakening was kind of like in baby steps, like, you know, forget all the documentaries that I, I watched back in like 2010 and 2011. And that was like a slow progressive awakening. But I didn't start to really wake up until the beginning of last year, the end of like 2019. 
and just started started just like really discovering stuff and in flat earth really opened my eyes to a lot of deceptions and that's why i i value that information because it opened my eyes to so many different topics like you know the hidden histories the the mud floods and you know all these things that i was like still stuck in that that left right paradigm type of thing where like you know i was kind of like watching the news but then i wouldn't watch the news because i didn't want it i knew there was like a lot of mind control because whenever i would watch the news i would feel terrible you know because of all the fear mongering you know there's a shooting or you know whatever whatever was on television and i knew you know working as a journalist that a lot of it's all it's all propaganda it's all just just to make you feel a certain way so they can get views and so gradually this past year i've we've my wife and i we've completely stepped away from mainstream television we could because it was just making us feel terrible and making us fearful and then we would we were having fights you know with with each other it's like oh well the, well, they're saying this and, you know, the, it's getting worse in all these cases. And, you know, and, and so we were just getting sucked back in or I'm like, all right, let, let's just not watch it ever again. And then we just started feeling better. You know, I, we started to regain control of our emotions and feelings. And now we feel more clear headed. And that's why I wanted to call this episode, like, turn off your television, because a few episodes back, you had, you know, mentioned to one of your guests that, you know, that you tell you, you say that you, you know, people would just turn off the TV and walk outside because you would never know that anything was happening if the television never existed. And that's how they, they keep us, you know, gripped in and, and in fear. And so you're constantly in, in doubt. So even if you do hear alternative information, as long as you watch television, you're always going to get, you know, sucked right back in because it is very powerful. I mean, those channels, I mean, that's a reason why they're called channels because they're channeling to your frequency. And so they're able to control your mind. I mean, that's why these, the music, I mean, that has an algorithm and that has, you know, the, the Hertz, you know, the 440 Hertz. I mean, that's a very powerful mind control mechanism. You know, if they made music with the 432, then they wouldn't attract as many people. But that, that chaotic, disruptive frequency ca- captures your mind. And, it, it, you know, it just whatever you're hearing, you're just stuck to it. That's, you know, back in like 2017 when, when um, oh, God, the, the Astro World guy, what's that guy's name? The, you know, the ones with the, the eight people died in, in the crowd, Travis Scott. And um, that was like the beginning of... I started to notice because, you know, at that time I was driving for Uber after, after work and um, people would get in my car and they would listening there. They'd be listening to their music and I can hear this, tick, 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 you know, this tisk in, in, in their, their headphones. So I knew that was like a frequency that that's just gripping them. And so all, almost all of rap music has that same hi hat sound. And, um, and it's just, it's really just mind control. So you're, you know, it's, I, I don't so know. You think the hi-hats are, because it is, uh, I mean, every hip hop song, they do have the same type of theme with the hi-hats yeah. and, and coming from somebody who, who produced music. I do like the sound of them and it does, it does add to it. But do, how does, how does the hi-hat, so is it a certain speed or, or is it a tone of it? What do you think is, is causing it? 
it it could be the rate the um the, you know like the metrodome you know has a like a very uh, a pace that you have to follow when you're creating music it has that same tick so the the the, the metrodome so it, but it's a different frequency so it's a it's a more alluring sound so i i think that's like the basis of why people are so attracted to this style of music and how everything is so digitalized that you can hide these frequencies so you don't even notice that you're hearing it and if you can go on websites and you can add that filter into your songs so whatever you can put it on a podcast and you can add it to your to your podcast and you can attract people based on that frequency i've never done it because my podcasts are too long so it always crashes <laughs> but i've tried it and uh but there's sites that you can actually add that frequency and it changes the whole dynamic and people will just listen from beginning to end and uh yeah I, wait wait so you can you can add that sound mm -hmm. and then it, it, it kind of tricks people into being yeah it's uh, very subliminal oh. so you can add the 432 or you can do the 440 yeah i I had an interview with a uh, music conspiracy guru and he was telling me about the frequencies. And then I looked it up and I was like, Oh wow, you can add that to your songs. So what, whatever these producers, I mean, they're able, like, especially the main, like, you know, the, the mainstream producers, they, they can add that frequency into, into the track without even anyone noticing it. I mean, they, that's how they embed the ISRC codes, the, the tracking code so that's how the algorithms pick it up on youtube so if you play someone's song you know that's tracked i mean there's all these copyright things that kind of like working together so the the algorithm your song is picked up so when someone goes to a concert and they don't want it reproduced you know like youtube or or uh, facebook or instagram they'll just pull it down based on the the frequency that's embedded into the into the track so yeah you, you know the artists uh enter shikari or shikar i don't know how to pronounce them they're from the uk i had uh the singer rao reynolds on a long time ago he was um he was he was big into the design guys movement he played like uh, a bunch of their festivals and, and shows or whatever and he was like they're a very political band and at the time i probably agree with a lot of what he believed in now probably a little less but i remember talking about the frequency conspiracy with them before before i think it was before he came on the show i'm like hey i'm like baby we'll talk about this because i'm curious on your thoughts and he's like uh i think it's all bullshit and i'm like wait wait what really and and uh so there was a documentary that i sent him and i, I who knows if you can still find it but it is it is fascinating because music can I mean, it's almost a way of tapping into people's subconscious right because it's like Definitely. Why does this, you know, a song can can move you, you know, make you angry, make you sad, make you whatever. Uh, why wouldn't it be able to make you listen, right? Or, 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 you know, turn other parts of your brain on and off uh, what you're desiring or whatever. And if somebody figures that out, because he, you think sad or happy or angry, like it, it all has to do with like lyrics and vocal, like you can listen to a really sad song. And here's a perfect example. So a song that's not too old that uh, I love from one of my favorite artists, uh, The Devil Wears Prada. They have a song called Chemical, right? And it's uh, it's a, it, it's a, it has this really like dark tone to it and like sad tone to it. I remember I was playing it 
with because uh, it's a catchy song too i had uh my kids in the room and i'm like oh you know my my son like it caught my son's eye he's like oh i like this song you know and then my daughter's like turn it off it's too sad and i'm like what really she's like oh no i'm like it's not and i was like trying to convince her other i'm like no it's not sad it just like i'm like it's just kind of slow and 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 mellow and and you know maybe a little dark but it's not really sad and she starts crying she's like this Mm -hmm. song's really sad she's like it it makes me cry and i'm like i'm thinking to myself this is it's not the lyrics because the, the, the lyrics aren't really they're not too telling, you know, they're, they're kind of uh, what he he's saying or means is a little bit more of a metaphor. And I'm like, so it's like, it's not like, it's not the lyrics. It's not the, you know, the, it could be the melody, but it's, it was the whole feel of the song that was, that was getting her that, that was, I guess, projecting these emotions. And it, it just it was a reminder of like, wow, you know, a lot of people think like, oh, a song's sad because of the lyrics or the lyrics are sad. The lyrics are sad or the vocals are. It's like, no, you can really just tap into something and not not even know what you don't even know what's doing it. Right. She didn't know that the, the lyrics were sad. She didn't know it was a sad song. She just felt that it was a sad song. Right, and right. and she's a five year old, you know, so it just. It, it is one of those things where it, it may it starts to make sense where if somebody and I mean, I think we all agree that there are people out there who want to control other people and they'll use every tactic and, and method possible to do so. Why? Why wouldn't they use music? Why wouldn't they tap into that? Why? Why not get the greatest psychologists and scientists together and say, hey, how can we use music to sway people's opinions or perspectives or uh, or manipulate the way they feel you know why why wouldn't you do that right i mean that's why you know i i would always you know when someone would turn on some mainstream song because i listen to everything independent music if i listen to anything at all it's all independent it's all self-produced there's no like major label behind it so i know that it's not going to have any you know outside influence so whenever i hear music that's on like you know, that's Sony produced or, you know, universal music group or whatever. I, I feel this like irritation. I get angry and I feel irritated and I'm like, I can't listen to this. It, it just, it's not pleasant to me. It doesn't sound good, but a lot of people like it because they're, they're constantly exposed to it. They're constantly listening to it. So they're, they're not even aware of that, that response because they are constantly enge- in, engaged in it. So so when it, whenever you're, I'm away for, for a long period of time and then I'm exposed to it, I feel it right away. You know, it's kind of like your daughter. I mean, because she hasn't had a, she's only five years old. She hasn't had a whole lifetime of experience of listening to that kind of music. So she's not a, a, accustomed to it. So when she hears it for the first time, she's like, oh, I feel that, you know. So it makes sense that, that she got emotional. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I just sent you the episode. It was episode four. For, what was it? It was oh, just in case anybody wants to find that. Oh, back in April. I know this is episode forty-three. <laughs> so this is before I was in triple digits on episodes. So this is really early in uh in my podcast career. So it was probably two thousand fourteen. But it's um yeah, really interesting uh guy. But it yeah, I mean it's. That's I think one thing about humans that we kind of tend to forget, or at least like we we get so 
deep into facts and information that we forget, like at the end of the day, we're still emotional creatures and you can manipulate those, those emotions and they can be, I mean, Facebook's done studies. There's a great video I, I used to talk about a lot called free is a lie. And I think you can still find it free is a lie on YouTube. And it's like this little lecture of the sky talking about how Facebook or Google or whoever big tech giant it was uh, could predict when you're breaking up with somebody, when you're going to uh, start dating somebody. I mean, you figure it wouldn't be hard because they know who you're hanging out with. They they can track that. They can track your updates. If you're posting things that are positive or negative, who you're spending more time with, who you're not spending more time with. They know every single piece of your life. Why wouldn't they be able to gather all that and figure out like, okay, you're going to start dating this person or you're going through a divorce because I can tell you and your wife are taking pictures with other people and not together anymore. Yeah. It's or, in your direct messages. <laughs> yeah. Or that too. If it's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that obvious, right. Yeah. You're getting divorced because your husband's sending dick pics to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't even have uh, Facebook on my phone. Um, so if, if I go on it, it's on my computer and usually I'm so outdated in, in knowing what people are doing. So, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's, and you've heard me say this on the show. It, it, one, a great quote, if you don't watch news or if you do watch, if yeah, if you don't watch news, you're uninformed. If you do watch news, you're misinformed. And I think you're probably, you know, one part of that quote that I think is missing. And if you don't watch news, you're also way happier, you know? Yeah, so yeah. most people who handled the lockdown and the pandemic well or better were people who, who decided to turn off the TV. They're like, I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm, I'm not going to keep watching TV and get depressed or get scared. And I'm just going to look around and be like, okay, things seem okay. And, uh, you know, then I'm just going to uh, stop getting these updates on a daily basis about how scared I should be or how tragic the world is. And all these things are going to affect my mood and, 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 yeah. So I, I think it's, it's probably the same way that in the past when I've had a phone, just shit the bed on me and I'm like, okay, now I need to order another phone. I got to go a day or two or three days without a phone. Like your first 24 hours, you like panic a little bit. You're like, fuck, I don't have access to this. or I don't have access to that. Or I could be, you know, something could be happening and somebody can't get a hold of me. But after that feeling's gone, you feel amazing. You feel like, oh my God, this yeah, is what yeah. it's like to actually pay attention to the road when I'm driving. This is what it's like to, to look outside and not be constantly distracted and get these notifications all the time. That's why those, those Apple watches, when they first came out, I'm like, who the fuck needs to be distracted more? I'm like, your phone already distracts the shit out of you. Now, every single notification, like you're staring at your wrist, and uh, I had a look because I'm like, I hope you're not wearing one. So I'm not, <laughs> so you don't nope. feel like, I'm, I mean, you don't seem like the person that would wear one, but I just wanted to make sure because I didn't want to uh, offend anybody. But, and and I get it. Like it's a, it's a handy little tool if you're at work and you want to just look at a text message real quick and it prevents uh, or it saves you the time of picking your your phone or getting your phone and, and, and reading it and opening your phone or unlocking your phone. It But any good it might do, it does way more harm in regards to just con like your phone and you become the same thing. It's a, you every time that phone reacts to anything, 
or has any type of reaction, you have some type of reaction and you're looking at your wrist and it's, it's just, it, you could see the trend that, so there's this, and this all has to do with like the, the combining of humans and, and machine. Like you could see that's where we're going and that's what they're normal oh, yeah. n- normalizing. And that's what they want. I mean, they want us to think like, fuck gender, fuck reality, fuck the the family and and this whole thing about having kids and owning a house like that's not for everybody but it's you know it's not an awful thing either you know for some people that they're content with that and they're happy with that and i think there are some things that come from caring about having a actual family and caring about others and and that whole life experience uh, i think is important and this whole idea of like not owning anything and and i'm not against a lot of these these ideas at first and then when you realize like they use them for for reasons i wouldn't be happy with then that's when i kind of turn against them i mean universal basic income is one of those those ideas that i'm I'm very torn about and i'm torn because in a way it does make more sense to me instead of saying hey if you don't work we give you money so now you have incentive not to work it it would make more sense to say hey how about we give you money to survive just enough money to survive and then you decide if you want to work or not but because you don't lose that money if you do work you're going to have much more many more incentives to go get a job because you'll only make more money you know and you'll have more Mm -hmm. things and that seems to make much more sense to me now the concern is and if you're talking to a libertarian or a capitalist or anybody who's kind of on the right in, in regards to uh, economy and ideologies, they'll say, well, they're just going to use that to keep you on the government tit and oh, to control you. And it's like, you're absolutely right. But in theory, the idea of it seems to make more sense than what we have right now and would really prevent some of what we we concern ourselves with now and that's people just taking advantage of the system because the system will say hey here's your money now you're on your own we gave you enough to survive and and that's it you know and and we there is something wrong with the system when the system says hey if you work you're going to lose these benefits and if you so you know we 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 know we're giving you incentive not to work but we're going to keep doing it, keep do, doing it anyways. And I, I think that's a concern. And, and for people who, who argue against you know, universal basic, basic income, they, they make a lot of good arguments. But in regards to that, it's hard to argue against that. The fact that using universal basic income might not be perfect, but it's definitely better than what we have. Now, the concern is, again, like I, 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 I mentioned, is that you're giving the government more power. You're giving uh, people incentive. Now you're not giving them incentive not to work. You're giving them incentive in, into being more dependent on the government and less dependent on themselves as individuals. Because now it's like, okay, even if I'm one of those people who are like, fuck it, I grow my own food. I I, I work for myself. I don't need the fucking government for anything. Now it's like they're getting a little bit of money. Now it's like, okay, maybe there'll be more... Uh, likely to be pro-government now because now the government even if they didn't ask for our the government's help they're getting it and and maybe that will change their psychology change the way they look at the government and and this all are all little baby steps into eventually having the the mixture of government and corporations because i i like to make 
sure, I, I highlight the fact that they're both one and the same thing. It's not like you can blame government or you can blame corporations. They're both to blame and they both work together. And, and they're both, you know, two giant pieces to the puzzle of globalism. And so they both need each other. They, they both manipulate each other. So it's like, you know, government, you know, you get people from the right who say, you know, uh, Go, or, or people from the right will say government's the root of all evil and that this that's why uh, all this corruption is happening and all this. And then you have people on the left who blame uh, corporations and it's because it, it's the pursuit of, of profit, the constant pursuit of profit that causes all these issues. And it's like, no, they fucking both work together. You know, government takes money from corporations and, and for their own benefit and corporations give money to politicians to benefit them. And it's like neither of them are moral and they're both you know, basically trying to screw us. So it's like once you start realizing that there is no good guys in regards to corporations and and and, and government, and the only good guys are are us. You know, the middle class and and everybody else below us who in poverty or whatnot. Like we're all on the same team, and they're going to just try to extract as much resources and, and information and whatever out of us for their own benefits like that's that that will be the first steps and kind of uh will stop falling for the divide and conquer tactics that they use of of getting us to fight about immigration or fight about gay marriage i mean most people don't give a crap about gay marriage they care about books in their class what's that they care about real shit yeah, they care about real and 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 really even those conversations, there is some scary shit going on. And I mean, I'm hearing more and more stories about school systems that are putting uh, books in the library with like gay sex and all this. It's like this shouldn't be acceptable if if it's straight sex, gay sex. Like my kids should not be seeing any cartoon characters being intimate in school. Like that's not the place for it, and they shouldn't be forced fed somebody else's ideology in regards to those topics like teach them history teach them science teach them math even though if if you ask you and i we probably say those things aren't as cut and dry either and those are can be controversial topics also but they're much less controversial than than you know force feeding them what is a boy or what is a girl or who should be getting married and who shouldn't be getting married like those are topics you uh, that the parents should be discussing with their kids, but we live in a world where like parents want to just pursue their careers and say, Hey, state raise my kids. Hey, daycare. Hey, school systems. You mold this little fucker into something. And, and cause I'm too busy trying to give them a better life by going to work. But by the way, like I can't ensure that I'm giving them a better life because even though I'm, I'm making money to maybe support him in that manner. I'm not supporting the child in any other manner. And I'm depending on the government and the school system to do that, which means that the kid that you end up getting is the kid that society ends up molding and you end up having very little influence on that. And and that's why, even though in Europe, you know, people kind of look at both parents having time off after a child's born, as a little ridiculous and and how much time they they get as being a little ridiculous i'm i'm not so against that either you know i i still i think that molding the future of society and the world is the most important job if you become a parent and if you have that job 
you should consider it much more important and much more serious of a job than your nine to five job. And usually that's not the case. It's like parenting just like this thing that gets in the way of my nine to five or parenting is just this thing that like everybody likes kids. They like the, the idea of kids, but many people don't want to take on all the responsibility of, of molding that child and, and giving it the time and effort that is necessary. And, and, and like I said, if you don't do it, then somebody else is, somebody else is molding their perspective and opinions and ideas. And I want to have as much influence on the way they look at the world as possible. I mean, kids have a lot of questions and every answer they get for those questions is, is one more piece of the puzzle and one more uh, just thing that's molding their worldview. So if you're not the one answering those questions, somebody else is, and they're adopting somebody else's worldview. It's no different than like, you know, we talked about music. If somebody teaches me how to play guitar, I'm going to adopt the way they play guitar. And because they're going to, you know, even if it's unknowingly or if it's accidental, they're going to kind of teach me the way they play and, 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 in a style that they play in. Uh, so, you know, you don't want your kids just adopting the way somebody else plays. You want them to be exposed to a lot of different ideas and views, or maybe you want to teach them the way you play. And, and that's okay too, because it's your child. You should have the right to do that. You should have the, the right to have influence on the way they think and, and help with their worldview. Because at the end of the day, nobody's going to care more about that child in, in their upbringing and who they become as a, a adult more than the parent. Like you, you, I mean, you can't, it's like that, that um, quote people uh, say all the time, you know, if, if one, and I believe it was Stalin, like if one person dies, it's a tragedy. If a million people die, it's a statistic. Well, guess what? When your kid's one kid out of a huge classroom, he's just a statistic. Nobody really cares about it, his or hers individual progression or who they become. So it's, it's all, it's all fascinating how all these things that seem moral, from the surface and you saw it during COVID, like all these things that seem moral, like, you know, Oh, let's just make sure we, this virus doesn't spread. Let's track people, not because we want to track people, but because we just don't want people to get hurt and sick. Um, if you end up realizing like aren't moral at all. Well, did you hear about Kamala Harris? She was proposing that, um, <clears throat> I mean, she's been pretty much silent this whole term and her one proposal was to extend the school hours by three hours. So can you imagine your kids being in the public school system until 6 p.m. every day and then being influenced by these, you know, I, I, I don't like to say political stuff, but, you know, these liberal viewpoints and then they're pushing like all the, these, these liberal agendas. And um, I, I don't mind having like political viewpoints, but you shouldn't push them on to your students. You know, you should let them think about the choices that they can make on their own and you give them the information and you let them critically think what the the deciding factor is what well why do you choose to support this person why do you choose to support that person when i was you know i, I don't know if you knew this but I, I i've been working in education for the past five years and um one of one of the studies that i had back in 2016 is that uh you know when when um hillary and and Trump are running against each other. I had our students like 
all right, this is your essay assignment. Look up all the information you can about Hillary Clinton, why you support her, and look up all the information that you can find on, on Donald Trump. And I don't mean to look up memes and like all this, like, you know, social media fake news. I mean, I'm talking about real information because I, I, I because I knew right away they were just going to go look at memes and like find all these funny things that, that about hating Donald Trump because most of our students, you know, they all hated him because their parents hated him or because their teachers hated him. And it was just this whole thing. And I was like trying to get them to like really investigate and, and find issues that they, they can support instead of just jumping on the bandwagon because this is what everyone else is saying. So I, I wanted to be that, that, you know, that, that, uh, that point of like, you know, you need to think for yourself and not be swayed by other people, people's opinions, really look at both sides of the, of their issues and decide for yourself. And, um, but you know, that was before I, I kind of like, you know, the last time I voted, I, we, we both voted for Donald Trump. And then when we got to the voting polls and they took our ballots, they stuck it in, underneath the voting machine. So we didn't even go inside the, the, the ballot machine. And mind you, even everybody else who voted in the whole the whole place, it was like they stuck it in an envelope and they stuck it in this like, you know, what looked like a machine that was calculating how many votes there were. But there was no it wasn't connected to any kind of Internet, no, no Wi-Fi anywhere. And so I was like, OK, so these votes are not even being counted. So and then they they put our votes who they probably saw on their on their sheet that we were voting Republican. So they're like, okay, we'll just stick them on the bottom. And then 90 days later, it was like the end of January, we finally got uh, letters in the mail saying that their vote was finally counted. And I was like, oh shit, this is like definitive proof that our vote does not mean anything. And <clears throat> the last time I voted. Um, well, not the last time, but I, I remember the same thing happened in 2008 or 2012. And they were literally putting everybody's votes in like these cardboard boxes. You know, they're, they're just file, these file boxes. And I was like, okay, where's the machines? Where's the, the updates? And I was like, this is such bullshit. Nobody gives a crap about what we're actually voting for. So, so the whole voting system, I've always, I felt for a very long time that has always been rigged and that our votes as an individual person really doesn't matter. I think what they do is they just, you know, they go by what you register as and then they don't look any further, you know, I don't know. What, what's your take on voting? Do, do you vote? Uh, I've never voted in my life. Really? I, oh, good for you. <laughs> and Honestly, I, I'm some people probably know if they've listened to the Ripple Effect podcast and heard me mention it once or twice about me not being an American citizen. <laughs> I don't say it too often because I'm like, I'm going to get deported if I keep mentioning it. But uh, I, it's uh, <laughs> I, I honestly have had so many people say like, oh, why, why aren't you American citizen? I'm like, I just really I'm like, I don't give a shit about voting. I'm like, because I don't think voting matters. And it, I, I don't believe in, you know, the least of two evils type of nonsense. and and honestly, I think the whole system's just fucked. So if the whole system's broken, then how how is me voting for somebody to play along in the system going to fix things? So it, it doesn't make any sense. So I've never really had an incentive in getting my my papers or, you know, I'm, I'm a permanent alien. I've been here uh, since I was four. So I've been here oh, wow. you know, for a long time. But 
you know, we would go back to Portugal every other year, sometimes every year when I was a kid and spent all, our whole summers there uh, during, you know, school vacation and, and whatnot. But it was, yeah, I mean, it just, it was just something I never did and I never really cared to. And then as I got older and I could vote and I, I started learning more about the way the world works, I'm just like, what's the point? I'm like, this is all nonsense. You know, it's, it doesn't matter who, who's in office. Uh, I have said, and, you know, we'll, we'll see. I'm like, if, if uh, DeSantis runs, I would get my citizenship just to vote for him because I, I've, I'm such a fan of uh, the way he's handling uh, the schools in, in Florida by stopping funding for people who want to mask kids and, and all that other stuff. So, I mean, I'm sure there's some skeletons in his closet, like every politician, and he's not perfect. Uh, and But he he's way closer to to what I like than, than many of the others. And, you know, I'm, I'm not sure there's anybody, there shouldn't be anybody out there. You, you agree with on every issue. I mean, these issues are complex and there's a lot of issues. And it's like, if you find, you know, if you list off of 50 issues and we agree on every single issue, marry that person because of your soulmate you know it's like there's there's that's just not gonna happen it, or at least it shouldn't like i said it shouldn't um if you're honest about every single issue there's gonna be issues that you're gonna disagree on you're gonna have because of your info influences or your worldview or your upbringing uh will give you a different perspective on an issue than somebody else and and that's the way it should be i mean too often and this goes back to the skeptico uh alex's uh interview on my show like this whole idea of planting a flag it's like i don't want to plant a flag and one of the reasons why i don't want to plant a flag is because i don't want to join a team because if i join a team i almost feel obligated to have to back up that team that's my team i should back them up there we're boys that's what you know and and to me it's it stunts mental growth because you end up spending more time figuring out how do i defend these points or how looking for the the things that do defend those points instead of looking for the things that will challenge those points and maybe take you somewhere else and that might lead you to a better opinion or perspective and though yeah i mean those are all discussions that people need to have i mean and this you know you you said uh what you're going to title this this episode and and the tv thing is so important I, i'm sure have you ever watched the, the movie network i always reference it because it really is a amazing film it's from the late seventies. I think late seventies, sometime in the seventies. And it's a great film. And if you watch it, you being a music fan, there's going to be parts of that movie that you're like, I've heard this before because it's one of the most sampled. I think movies in, in a lot of the music I listen to, I listen to a lot of industrial music and, and metal music. And you hear parts from that movie sampled everywhere. I think commie Christ, uh, Rotor Sam, I mean, I'm just I'm, I'm talking out of like so many different artists, I think have, uh, I know there's definitely some, a handful of industrial bands I listen to that have sampled that film, but it's, it's that famous uh, segment in the film where, where the, this news anchor loses his mind and he starts screaming and he's like, turn off your TV, you know, and he talks about how he's like, the TV tells you how to dress, what to think, how to feel. He's like, just turn off that TV and he like loses his mind. and. I've even sampled the uh, parts of that movie in, in some of my earlier uh, music uh, with the theory six stuff. And it just, it, it was so ahead of its time because this is like, you're talking about the seventies and it, it understood the power of propaganda, the power of, 
of how entertainment could could change the way we feel and think. And and now it's like, I mean, it's that on steroids because now we're never detached. I mean, at least back then it was like after a long day of work, you sit down and watch TV or in the morning, maybe you watch the news. But now it's like, it's it, you just never like I said even with the watch thing like you never detach never unplug so it's never ending and you know that that movie is is super important and in regards of voting speaking of movies uh, hacking democracy if if you haven't watched it's a little older it's a HBO documentary that shows how these um, the voting machines how, how they can be used for any outcome you want and during the documentary there's a great journalist yeah there's there's a great journalist i forget what her name is but i had i I remember i reached out to her and every time i reached out she was like busy and i couldn't get her on but uh, i remember um just how important that documentary was to, to show like how easily elections can be manipulated and and stolen or whatever so when people are like oh you know this election wasn't stolen or i'm like Every election was stolen to some extent. I mean, you hear about the Kennedy days, about how how many dead people voted for uh, JFK. So it's like people were, you know, there were dirty tricks used back then. So to think like now we have like some type of moral system that's unhackable. It's like, no, I mean, every system you can bring up has been kind of molded in a way that there's loopholes or ways to manipulate it or people have found a way to manipulate it and use it for their benefit. So it's like to think that voting is like this one untouched thing that like, Oh, it's, you know, politicians are dirty and and they find ways of getting money uh, that they shouldn't be getting. And they find ways to lie or cheat or steal or whatever. But we all agree that we're not going to touch this voting thing. We're not going to use any dirty tricks for voting. It's like, it's so, it's so insane. It's just, there's no logic in it. So uh, yeah, those are some good documentaries. I would highly recommend people check it or a good, a good documentary. And then a film uh, network I would highly recommend. People I was going to say, I, I think that movie, the, the network that that's with uh, Faye Dunaway and Robert Duvall, I believe. Yeah. And um, I, I, I've seen it. I just don't remember it at all. Um, it's been a long time. If, if I, you have it. seen it, um, yeah, rewatch that and rewatch. Uh, I keep telling people to rewatch uh, Dallas Buyers Club, people, because it's like I've seen that. Yeah, I. It, it, but if you watch it now, you're like, oh my god, this is just like what's going on with COVID. It, there's a lot of parallels. The COVIDs. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, but yeah, that reminds me. You know, even like Netflix, you can you can see the gradual change in programming the last. You know, like a year and a half, two years. Um, I think it was Owen Benjamin, and he was saying that the owner of Netflix was the the grandson of Edward Bernays. And so I looked it up, and um, you know, because I don't like to look up, I don't like to repeat information until I verify it myself. And it so happens that the co-founder of Netflix is Mark Bernays Randolph. He doesn't usually go by Bernays, but he doesn't use the Bernays hardly ever, and he is the great grandson of Sigmund Freud. And then he's also the great nephew of Edward Bernays. So he's you know the, the, the father of propaganda, if, if you don't know who that is. And uh, he wrote the book. Um, he wrote two books, one in 1928 and one in 1946, I believe. That, that was called Propaganda. And then the other co-founder of Netflix is Reed Hastings. And his, his profile kind of blew my mind. He's related to Alfred Loomis, who's 
one of the scientists that created the atomic bomb. And then he's also related to Henry Stimson, the former Secretary of War. Uh, so <laughs> Hastings is uh, related to, to Loomis, the former president of broadcasting. So it's no accident these these people are owners of these like mind control, you know, propaganda machines. And so that's why they have so much power and control. And, you know, I've talked to people who work for Netflix and it's like one of the worst companies to work for. Highest turnover of any any like Hollywood studio. And um, they treat everybody like crap and low pay. I mean, it's good pay, but it's low for the industry. But uh, it, it's just crazy how much. Hollywood and politicians, I mean, they, they all share a common bloodline in some form. They're only like three cousins away. If you look at everybody, even even uh, Travis Scott, his uh, mother-in-law is the uh, related to the Kardashians. So it, it's all nuts how everyone just intertwined and all this stuff that we're experiencing and watching, it's, it, it's all part of this, this whole set up <laughs> it's just mind-boggling what did you just send me the uh oh oh okay yeah oh, I, I did send you the the last episode uh or the the episode with Ralph reynolds which uh the, the band's actually really good so maybe it'll expose you to some interesting music but you might disagree with him on some things in regards to he's kind of a, a uh i don't know not not earthy crunchy type of uh environmentalist but uh, he he definitely drinks the kool-aid in regards to the environment and i think the environment's like the next frontier of of manipulation of good moral people who actually want to make the world better being tricked into doing some things that are only going to benefit not so moral people so i it's like this reoccurring theme where a lot of times they just they they find a issue that seems like it's a good issue. And then you back it up. And then next thing you know, you realize like, holy crap, like this is being used for all these other purposes. So that's something I think we, we all have to be like really just aware of and keep our eyes open for. Right. Well, I, I know we've been on in the, on the, the show for an hour and a half, but I wanted to ask one last question. Um, how did you get involved in this like whole truther community and like wanted to get into this whole you know, podcast because you you were involved in music, but somehow you got into this field and just started interviewing people about you know all this medical stuff and attorneys and you know the truth movement and flat earthers and all this stuff. How did, how did you get into it? It's funny because I think everybody has a, a interesting story about it, but I think a lot of times we have a hard time like pinpointing what was it specifically. Like if it was one thing. I don't I don't think it was one thing with me. I think I've always kind of gone against the grain a little bit. I've always liked kind of fringe music. I like things that wasn't mainstream, like, you know, much like yourself. You know, it's like if it was a big mainstream artist, I just lost interest in them. And I, I like things that were different and were doing things drastically different than what you were hearing on the radio. And I think that to me, that's why alternative media was like a perfect transition because I always question a lot of things. I, I was never like a really good student. I'd always ask too many questions and, and, you know, just push back against whatever, you know, and, and I don't know, maybe it, it, what, I don't know what it was. I mean, uh, I think being a, so some people might not know, but I'm a twin and I think being a twin 
you go through a little bit of an identity crisis. So it starts like, okay, how do I stick out? How do I become a individual? How do I go against the grain? How, how do, you know, so it's like, it kind of started a little bit with that. And then I got into music and I, I just was attracted to just underground music. And then, like I said, alternative media, it seemed like that was it fit right underground in. music in media, right? It was like the, yeah. like, oh shit, there's these people doing this. Like, I've never seen it done like this. I've never heard it done like this, you know? And, and they're saying what, like, I've not, you know, so it was just, it was so sexy to me because of that. And, and it was a lot of things. I remember like Loose Change, the Zeingeist film, their uh, 9-11, Road to Tyranny, the Alex Jones documentary, some music like uh, One Minute Silence, which I had this singer on the show years ago. Uh, that was like, they're, they're kind of like the Irish. I always refer to them as the Irish Rage Against the Machine. They're like the Irish version, version of Rage Against the Machine, but they're very political and it kind of made me uh, look at history slightly different and, and learn about some historical events I wasn't aware of. So like, and even Rage Against the Machine, I mean, there were another band like that. And uh, even though I've lost a lot of respect for them of late, but, you know, they did, they did talk about things that other musicians were talking about. All the other musicians were talking about depression and girlfriends and this type of, so to talk about like history or philosophy or anything like that was super intriguing to me. It exposed me to those topics. So, uh, yeah. So I don't think it was any one thing. It was a lot of like baby steps. You know, I, I can kind of look right. at my life and be like, okay, this was kind of a milestone, like getting into one minute silence and some of the more political bands. And then there was the, the other milestones when I watched like nine 11 road to tyranny and, and got exposed to like Alex Jones and, and then loose change. And then design guys, like all these things kind of ramped up like my interest in these topics and then even getting into podcasts, I was already really deep into alternative media, but like podcasts also opened a new door because it exposed me to all these other great podcasters and people that were uh, doing great research. So yeah, it was, it was a slow, gradual thing, but that's a conversation that I constantly have myself. Like, why, why was I one of those people that went against this mainstream and didn't like, how did I, how did I, and I'm getting away from the brainwashing. How did I avoid it? How did I escape it? Like, I, I, you know, it's, it's just something that is so important to me to kind of discover because I'm like, okay, well, if I can figure that out, maybe I can figure out how to make sure like my friends don't get brainwashed or how my, my kids don't get brainwashed. Like what type of conversations or research or, or books do I need to put in front of them to kind of open their minds to, you know, other possibilities. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I feel like our, our, progress is kind of mirrors each other because like my awakening happened in 2008 when I took my first philosophy class and I thought it was just so fascinating that's how I learned about Edward Bernays and then you know 10 years later I hung out with the same professor and we were arguing about politics and I'm like so you really believe everything that you're seeing even though in your class you were telling me about how the the media I mean the the television was just used as propaganda to control the minds of the masses to do the biddings of, of the government and the military machine. Why do you think that that would change? Why, why do you think that would, they wouldn't relinquish that power? They would just manipulate it even more and have more control of what hap happens in music and, and military, uh, you know, movies and everything. I mean, our, it's so intertwined in our life that 
there is no way to dismantle it until we just tear away from it completely. So, yeah. So that was part of my awakening and, you know, all those documentaries and watching Alex Jones's documentary. And that's how I found him out because I was watching Justin TV and that's where Joe Rogan had his podcast for the first time when he was just broadcasting out of his freaking studio in his home. You know, he had this like feed and it looked like total garbage, you know, like, you know, he went from fear factor to having this like nobody podcast. And then it, you know, it took many years for it to blow up. And, you know, I, I followed him all the way up until he just started like talking, like kind of like nonsense. <laughs> like You could tell that he had got paid a bunch of money because the, the subject and the content, the, the way he was speaking, it was just, it felt more formatted. I was like, I, I don't know if I can listen to him anymore. And uh, that's around, around the time that Flat Earth kind of like was introduced in my life. And I started to have a more open mind. And I'm like, okay, so I guess I don't really know everything that I could possibly know. And then that, and I couldn't sleep for like three months because I was just investigating and re constantly referring to information because I wanted to debunk it. I wanted to debunk it. I wanted it to be wrong because I felt like I had been lied to my entire life, you know? And so that was like part of my discovery. But um, yeah, <laughs> no, anyway. I, I agree with you 100%. I think Rogan initially was really interesting. I've always been attracted to people in regards to like wanting to hear their stories or their perspectives, because I always end up learning something. It's like, oh, I haven't looked at it from that perspective or and it's all based on, you know, our worldview and our upbringing and all these things will will help mold a, a different perspective than mine because it's like, OK, well, because of my experiences, I look at the world like this because of your experience, you look at the world like that. And I've never looked at it like that. And I can't because I didn't have your experiences. So it was always interesting meeting people and getting to know, uh, you know, who they are, their stories, what, what they've been through and then how they look at the world research that they're into. So Rogan was a perfect tra transition or a perfect, just a place to get some of that because it was just, discussions it wasn't anything special just people sharing ideas but i'm like that's what i love i love people just sitting down sharing ideas yeah, and yeah. so that's that's why really early into uh listening to rogan i'm like this thing's gonna take off because i think people need and want and desire organic conversations and he had organic conversations it sounded like people just sitting down and talking and it sounded ridiculous, like this idea of like, you just record people sitting down and talking, but I'm like, I think right. I thought it, the same thing. Yeah. But it, I think when you analyze it, it's not ridiculous. Cause when you think about it, like some of your most enjoyable nights, maybe you and Alex are out just sitting down and talking. Right. And it's like the most memorable nights and you end up having a blast. So I, I think, you know, it, when you really think about it, like all you're doing is archiving or capturing that and sharing it with the world. Those, those really personal or fun or interesting deep conversations you have with your friends, you're you're recording it and sharing it, and um and and people who maybe don't have those friends or and can't have those conversations, they're experiencing it with you, or they're just enjoying going on the journey of us all figuring out what the hell this is all about. All right. Well, I guess this is probably a good stopping point, and uh, if you want to, you know, give out your website information and and tell tell them like how to find you and yeah. what you're well, I, I am uh well you used to be able to find the video episodes on youtube now they're not anymore but you can still find them on rockfin odyssey rumble 
a bunch of different places. Mines, I believe. Odyssey, Rumble, BitChute. But the audio is available everywhere, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Podcast, uh, Stitcher, any any podcast app you have, you can find it. And if you go to my website, rickyverandes.com or the rippleeffectpodcast.com, you'll have links to all my shows, all my episodes, all the places you can find my show and, and more, and then ways to support the show and whatnot. So it's, uh, you know, you just go to rippleeffectpodcast.com and find all those all those uh, links and, and channels. And then also the Union of Unwanted, which uh, I have to have you on and join us one of these days if, if you want to join us on a Union of Unwanted. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah I love you. I, yeah. I watch it all the time. I'm like, you know, I'm thinking about my how I would be able to contribute. But a lot of I mean, these conversations, they, you don't know where they're going to go. And, uh, and you have had some amazing guests, especially the one with all the doctors and they, they just confessed and talk about the, the virology and, and, you know, all this stuff that everybody really should know, because it's such important information that the mainstream media is not going to tell you. And these are real experienced doctors. They're not just pretend doctors, but just a, you know, a PhD in, in another field. I mean, they're actual physicians that worked in the medical field and they have actual knowledge that is that everybody should know that's just being suppressed. So I, I've, it's very stuff like that is just so valuable. And yeah, I, I was really excited to be able to get that many health and doc, health experts and doctors together. And luckily, throughout the years of doing this, people tend to, to like me and 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 seem to to feel safe coming on a show that I'm hosting and they know they're not going to be uh you know misrepresented or anything like that so yeah it, it's been that was the one with Dr. Robert Malone and all the the health and experts and and all the other uh doctors were was definitely I think I felt like this just I really accomplished something important in regards to that. and I think all the guys of the union don't want it felt like that like this is really special we we really um, are putting out something that's, that's, I think really valuable to the world. So, uh, yeah, it's just awesome to have a show like that. Uh, I'm like you, I like the one-on-one conversations, but it's awesome to also have a platform where I can do the bigger conversations where you can bring different minds together and, and yep, share yep. information like that. So having, uh, both is, is, is nice. And you can find both shows and all my shows on my website. So if you're looking for that, and that's also available, uh, anywhere, the, uh, audio download. Awesome. Well, I'll put all the links in the in the the podcast or the down below in the the description. So if you guys are interested in checking out Ricky Verandas, go ahead and do that. And uh, it was great having you on the show. And we'll do have to do this again and talk about other stuff that we didn't really get to. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I'll I'll keep in touch in regards to uh, our next union done wanted. I don't. I'm not sure we've decided what we're gonna do. But if we do one of these uh, general show topic shows, well, I'll have you on and have even if cool. it's not a general topic show, just join us anyways. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you might know about what we're talking about anyway. So you, you seem like a, a similar person to myself. You're not an expert in anything, but you know a little bit about a lot of things. So uh, I think those are some of the most interesting people. So keep in touch and, and keep up with the show. I love the show. It was a really fun conversation. And, uh, and hopefully we stay in touch. All right. All right. You take care and you have a great night. You too. Thank you. Take care. And thank you so much for watching this episode of KGUP Presents. Uh, be sure to follow Ricky Verandas. And if you're a Rockfin subscriber, follow Union of the Unwanted and the Ripple Effect by clicking the links in the description. Next time, we'll be talking with 
Rose Triple Seven, and we're going to talk about some important information regarding living wills and affidavits. And we'll be digging into how Rose became a truther and flat earther. It should be a fantastic episode, as always. And and due to the sensitivity of you know the nature of our conversation, uh, we'll be discussing um, a lot of sensitive issues, you know, regarding what's happening in our current climate. And um, you know, this will very well be our very first episode on Patreon. Uh, so you have to be a Patreon subs- subscriber. I know. Uh, I hate doing that, but uh, because of the nature of how YouTube runs things, um, it's just something that we have to be cautious. And because of the sensitivity of what we'll be talking about, uh, they'll be definitely be taking it down for misinformation. So if you want to join my Patreon, it's only five bucks a month. Uh, if you join for a full year, you get some exclusive merchandise and you get to do some stuff that no one else can. And if you love this show, you can support us by purchasing a t-shirt, hat, or sling bag. Just go to www.kgup1065.com forward slash shop. The links are also in the description. And if you purchase a shirt, uh, just let me know, and then I'll send you the link to the show, and you can watch it for free. Um, the, those links are also in the description. And 100% of the profits go into running this show because it's not free. Uh, the radio station does cost a lot of money. And for some reason... Uh, ever since I started doing the the, the truther uh, type shows, I don't get as many advertisers. So I'm I, I'm probably being shadow banned from being uh, solicited by uh, advertisers. So it, it, in fact, it, it hardly I hardly ever get any advertisers anymore. So if I do get them, they go right straight into the the running of this show and, and running the radio station. And if you want to check it out. Uh, you can go to uh, Google or, you know, if you have an Android and just, uh, you know, say KG, uh, ask KGUP FM to play. Or if you have Alexa, just say, Alexa, play KGUP FM. All right. Well, thanks to you so much for watching today's episode of KGUP present, Presents. Until next time, this is Mikey J and I'm out.
your ignorance. 